interrogation of a hip-hop album where we take some of the culture's most beloved hip-hop albums put them on the stand see if they stood the test of time now let's see who we got on the stand today welcome to another episode of rap in order i'm first class reg i'm tori mb today we're getting into lupe fiasco's second studio album the cool the cool was released in 2007 and followed up his debut album food and liquor um the cool was pretty much a big deal for Lupe because it was his commercial attempt, right? You know, the food and liquor, a lot of people loved it. It was a certified classic by a lot of people. And um, the, the knock to it was always that it wasn't necessarily an easy listen and that Lupe with his lyrics, he can kind of get, you know, a little more intricate than people were used to at the time. Um, but this album featured Snoop Dogg, you had uh, Matthew Santos, who was an uh, up-and-coming singer. Um, you had some other people on here. You had um, Gemini, another singer. And First and Fifteenth was like a thing, you know, like that he mm -hmm. was like getting ready to really take off with. Soundtrack was a producer. The, Buccane the, the Buccaneers or Buccan? Buchanan's, sorry. Um, and yeah, it was an album that had a concept to it that followed from Food and Liquor, and he kind of closes the series of uh, of this character that we got to know from the first half, right? Yeah, he did. But um, how did you feel about this album when it came out? So, you know, Food and Liquor was an album that, like, I was, like, highly, like, um, I was highly, like, excited for it. So... When that album came out and The Cool was such like a dope conceptual song. And that was when I was uh, growing as like a fan of hip hop. So I was like becoming more more in tune with like uh, storytelling and rap. So mm -hmm. the fact that like he did that with The Cool and then he said he's going to make a whole album about it. And then like, you know, he told the story of how like The Cool is like, you know, um, I, w I think it's like The Streets. The Streets and the Game. And The Streets and the Game, right? Mm -hmm. So The Game is a woman. The Streets was... The homeless looking dude that was Kadeem. No, was Kadeem Hardison, right? Um, no. So it was based on. No, Kadeem Hardison was the cool. Was Kadeem Hardison the cool? Yeah, he remember because he resurrected, he died. Right, but I didn't know it was Kadeem Hardison. You, oh, you never saw the video? No, I don't the, in I saw the video. Yo, bro, in the video, Kadeem Hardison plays the the dead guy oh. from the cool. Yeah. So, um, when he when he painted that concept, I was all in. I was sold. And um, I remember, like, this time around, it was going to be better because his first album got leaked heavy. Um, there were, like, pushbacks. It was a version that was out that wasn't the same as the original version. So with this album, like, pretty much every, like, they, they got every all their ducks in a row and, like, made the album, you know, complete. Um, but uh, I'll say that uh, in 2006, I was 20. Yeah, so twenty year old Torian thought that the cool was the greatest thing ever. Like I, I was just like, yo, this is, this is amazing. But you know, now revisiting now with my ears and then hearing um, other music from Lupe, I this album for me is just too long. Mm. Like that's that's all it is. It's not like um, 
the album is bad. It's just that it's too long. And for a conceptual album, he only needed 10 tracks to get that across. Mm-hmm. Lupe Fiasco is highly intelligent. And sometimes I think that, like, it just goes over people's heads. You know, shout out to Dumb It Down. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just, like, that's a fact. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a Lupe Fiasco, like, advocate. Like, I, I, I think, like, he's a brilliant, brilliant person. I actually think that he's too smart. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, how, how can you be too smart? When, when I'm saying that, it's like, it's things that, like, the way that his brain works and how fast it works, it's hard for people to catch up. And sometimes you got to, like, spoon feed people things. And mm-hmm. with this album, like, there's certain tracks on it that I don't feel like fit in with the concept. So it's like, what's the point of it? So, like, that's for me where my critique comes in. If it's a conceptual album, keep it to that storyline because I like to be able to follow that. You know, it's kind of like... You know, I get it. Like, you have obligations to the label, the certain songs you have to make. But, like, nah, fuck it. Like, stick with that. Stick to your guns. And I think I think that's why. I think because of The Cool is the reason why his albums are made. Well, The Cool started it, and then we got Lasers, and then Lupe was like, fuck everything. And mm-hmm. But, like, now, like, with his latest, like, projects, um, so I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Tessudo Youth. Mm-hmm. I love that album. That album... I remember, me. yeah, he wrote a review. Yeah, I think that's like his best work. And then like the recent project that he just put out, what is it called? Um, uh, something Drill. Oh shit! You know what? I haven't even checked that. Shout out to Ryan. He was on my head about checking that album. Yo, it's really good, bro. Um, Drill music in Zion. Drill music in Zion is a very good project, and um, the artwork for the cover is really dope. I just think that he figured out how to make better conceptual albums. It's just that the cool was obvious because it was based off a popular song, Mm -hmm. but he's actually made more albums conceptually. And I think better than this, better than this. And because I think he has more freedom now, like did like the microscope was on him to be the next Jay Z. Mm -hmm. Like, remember that? Like, you know, so we talked about that in, in in the episode about food and liquor, but Jay-Z was supposed to be Atlantic Records with him. He was supposed to be the next one. And then Jay-Z jumped ship and went back to Universal um, Def Jam to be the president. And, you know, he was left in Leo Cohen and Kevin Lyles' hands. Mm-hmm. And so it was like their idea of it. And who's going to tell Kevin Lyles and, and Leo Cohen, the men who signed DMX, Ja Rule, and Jay-Z, nah, my idea is better. Yeah, I get that. Um, I think for me, my penalty for this album came at a time when... I was exploring rap and all it had to offer. So like in all the different facets. And Lupe kind of fit the mold of that because he was very different on the on the front end of things. Like he wasn't violent. He wasn't rapping about guns. And we can kind of credit that style to Kanye popularizing like rap that's not necessarily violent. Don't tell Lupe that. You know? I know. But <laughs> technically, technically that's just a... That's the way shit worked out. I mean, we were introduced to Kanye first. Yeah. So, like, <clears throat> hearing an album like this that built on the uh, on the surface and it made you really, really listen. Like, really listen to the lyrics. Really listen to the concept. Follow along with the concept. The beats were good. And then he had some commercial shit in here, too. So, it's like, it was a good balance from the first album. The first album was just trying to show you this nigga can rap. He's all about this. He's giving you a concept. And it flowed really well. But with this album, I think they were trying to show you, like, oh, well, Lupe is here to stay. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. And this was only a year later that yeah. he released this album. No, nah, it was impressive. I mean, and he probably he probably could have gave us an album because Lupe's um, writing process is really dope. Lupe says that he tries to record albums in a day. And, like, obviously, you know, sometimes, like, he gets, like, 
he can't, but like that's what he tries to do. Like he he spends most of his time like traveling, um, reading, learning about other things, like not rapping at all, not going in the studio. And then when he does decide to go in the studio, he tries to do it like within like a really short amount of time to just get it all out at once because he says, you know, it kinda happens where you kinda fall in love with how something's recorded or like you go back and you just do too much. He tries to get it all knocked out in one shot. Yeah. So I just like it's just impressive. I know for some like artists, they're like, no, like how the fuck could you do that? Mm-hmm. But like Lupe, he's that talented and and that lyrically gifted where like he can go in and craft the project. And I think sometimes like that's why like we only get like um we don't get him working with like a lot of producers. Like Lasers took a really long time to record for him yeah. because the student like pretty much like they demanded. They was like, yo, like do this and do that. And like Lupe was like, well, I think this producer is is better. Like he just he does he tries to not stay like boxed in. Mm-hmm. Like on this project, he worked with Patrick Stump from um, Fallout Boy. Yeah, yeah. And um, Fallout Boy is one of my great, my favorite bands of all time. And um, knowing that like Patrick Stump like worked on some of the chords for this album and like helped like him like come up with like hooks and stuff like that and sing background vocals was fucking mind blowing to me because I was just like, yo, I really like at this time like when. Um, Fallout Boy's Affinity album came out around around the same time. It just make it just it just made a little bit of sense. Like mm-hmm. if you if you really listen like with your musical ear, like you could tell like some similarities that like Patrick Stump did with the chords for the album. Yeah, and the and the thing that I always appreciated about Lupe is that um through his artistry, like it's pure and it's not he's not necessarily trying to move the needle according to what's going on at the time because there was no rapper like him at this time. You know, he wasn't doing anything that anybody else was doing. Uh, no. um, and then at the same time, like, you know, it came at an interesting time because <clears throat> he dealt with a lot of loss in the process of this album. So he lost his dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was friends with Stack Bundles, right. who died around this time. And then also uh, Chili. Yeah. You know, his, his friend. Yeah, that, that got locked up. He is Chili got like some ridiculous number, like sixty five yeah. years or some crazy. Yeah, shit. I think 40, 40 like forty five, forty four. Yeah, so um, so he dealt with a lot of loss and he was in a dark place, and this is kind of how he got a chance to like escape for a little bit. Um, so the concept of it, as we know, is pretty cool. Um, and it follows along through the process of the first album if you was in tune with it. So getting into it, mm-hmm. Baba says, "Cool for thought." Um, I like I liked the the poem. It was dope. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought it was cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it touched on things that was going on in America at the time. Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just watched the the documentary Children of Katrina. Mm-hmm. Like it was really sad. Oh wow. Um, like thinking about that in hindsight, and um, and th- me thinking about like the friends that I made it from New Orleans that moved to Atlanta during that time, but um. Yeah, like it just kind of like just set like the, the like pretty much like the scope of like what's going on this time. Like this album is absolutely a time capsule album, and yeah. in a good way. And also just checking <clears throat> checking on um, the status of what you think is cool, and they say like don't overdose on cool. Like um, don't be too comfortable with how things are. Being okay with shaking shit up was I thought was a uh, part of the message of that. Of that poem. Mm-hmm. And then that's followed by Free Chili. Yeah, I liked how he started it off. Um, I was just like, yo, like this, like Lupe is just like one of those, one of those rappers that um, when we get older, like our like grandchildren will like listen to be like, yo, this dude, 
he was really ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. And I just think that he wasn't packaged correctly. No, I don't think he was. Um, even, he from the, even from the very beginning, like of being so being linked so closely to Jay Z, like he wasn't really in that scope of things. Like I could see if this was executive produced by Q Tip or something. Yeah, like I just think that like he was so talented that like that somebody like Jay Z obviously knows talent, but it's just that like somebody like Jay Z shouldn't. Like, be working be with at him. the helm of this, yeah. at the helm of it, and it's, and it's just like you could tell like Lupe was different. I remember in Complex Magazine, he was always featured in Complex Magazine, and he was talking about how like he wore like Cartier frames and like just like and that like you know he wasn't into like big chains and big jewelry mm-hmm. and stuff like that, um, or like how like he, how into denim he was, mm-hmm. and it was things Japanese like denim. yeah, like he was he was into expensive shit, just not the expensive shit that like the typical rappers not were the flash, yeah, yeah, like he was into art early. Um, like he was he was in the skateboard culture, but not like how it was presented. It just that kick push took off. Mm-hmm. It was a metaphor song, but like yeah, like I could just tell that like all right, his his values are very different, and I think that it was being presented to us a certain way because like there was a there was a new wave coming of backpackers, quote unquote. And I think Lupe just had he just had like a wide variety of tastes, and they didn't know where to put him, mm-hmm. so then they put him in that. In, in that lane, and he didn't even like it. He was mm-hmm. like very frustrated about that shit. So, um, if he would have been signed with like Stone's Throw, oh, that oh, oh man, it, he would have had more freedom, and he yeah, probably yeah. would have had access to fucking you know producers that like we like hell. You know, what I'm has saying? Lupe worked with Doom? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I think we should check that out. I don't know if he's worked with Doom or Alchemist or Madlib. Oh wow! Holy shit! Let me see. Well, he's done a tribute freestyle. All right. I'm pretty sure they've yeah. crossed paths and like spoke and stuff like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. like I just think that like he was presented, he it just they didn't get it, and it, and it was just something new to tap into, or whatever. And it's, and it also like makes me think about like with Kanye. Kanye's like, yo, I'm from fucking Chicago. I didn't give a fuck about that backpack and shit. That was just who I was accepted by. Yeah. But you know, it, it is what it is. But like hearing like the free chili song, I'm, like. You like he he is a superior MC like he's on like some Rakim shit like as far as him being able to tie words together use metaphors triple double trip double and triple entendres yeah like, bro and then even getting even getting to his flow going straight into Go Go Gadget flow um which is which is in itself an homage to the city um it, it's it's funny it's I'm thinking about this now like it's funny how much Twister has came up on this on this uh, podcast. But I thought that Twister would have been a good fit on this song because it's like a tribute to this type of style of rapping um, in Chicago. So I think he would have been a good fit. How you feel about it? I think Lupe made the right call. (laughs) (laughs) I think Lupe knew what he was doing. Yeah, nah, Gogo Gadget Flow was always one of my favorites on this album. Um, it's It's written really well. His flow is amazing. The beat is great. What you thought of it? Um, I really liked it. Uh, the 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 thing for me that was impressive is the hook. People don't give Lupe credit for like how well mm-hmm. his hooks how how well his hooks are, um, crafted. And I thought that mm-hmm. was dope. And like it's it's just a catchy hook. Um, and it's also surprising to me that like I always wonder like when um a label is deciding like all right what what songs are we going to package to radio, like how certain songs like just don't make it and. 
this song to me in 2006 kind of like fit the BPMs that radio was doing. Yeah. Like Superstar was fucking out of here. Mm-hmm. But I, I, and like, I don't think Superstar, like I know Superstar was on um, hip hop and R&B, but like Superstar was on Z100. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and and that's partially because of uh, this Matthew Santos guy. Yeah. And the way that he sings, his voice mm-hmm. um, put him in a lot of different, put Lupe in a lot of different places and, and spaces and stuff mm-hmm. at the time. Um, that would take us into the coolest. Yeah, this, there we go. Beautifully written. It's the reason why we're here mm-hmm. on this album. Um, My man Dwayne Wayne. Yeah, it's the it's the focal point. Yeah, um, he pretty much you know continues the story that that we heard and um, it really like it really like captivated his fans because like his fans really like wanted to know like what happened to this character that he mm-hmm. created. And pretty much like really wanted to like see like where he was gonna go with it. And I think like what like he 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 did what he had to do. And like that's why like as we keep going on 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 the project, I'm just like, yo, why why is this album what is that? Sixteen tracks? Like it doesn't need to be nineteen. Ni- nineteen, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. It doesn't even need to be that. Yeah. Um Michael Young History is the character's name that he develops. Um and he's developing this story of him and his struggle between the game in the streets and the distractions that comes with it and the distract and the uh the struggle of trying to maintain staying on the right path um for this character and lupe just has this way of like he said damn i'm trying to think of one lyric that he that i can reference here let me see here the coolest what I am the Lord, but sometimes it's like that I love me more. I love the peace and I love the war. Like he, like it's both sides of this character that that he developed and he fleshed out so well. His demise, though, that's a that's one thing that we'll get to. But this character's demise that we get to in this album, that he, the way he closes it off. I was kind of left unfulfilled with the way that the character died. But what was that to prove your point about the album in itself? I'm just saying, like, it wasn't, it didn't feel like, uh, I don't think he knew where to go with it. I think, yeah, I don't think he planned on this album, on this character being a full, fully fleshed out thing. So I think he made it up. That's impossible. Yeah. How could he have not planned that? Like, that was the point of the album. But no, I don't think he planned for it to be... Because like you said, a lot of people was around rallying for him to continue the story of his character. Okay. So I think it was probably just supposed to be over and done with on the first album. But then he listened to the fans and he made a full fleshed out, fully fleshed out story for him. That's good. In less than a year. I mean, hey man. I think it would have been cool to see this though as like some type of play. I'm pretty sure he. I'm. I'm. Lupe always has ideas and things that he wants to do, so I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that was what he wanted to do. I agree. I think that it was something that um. It wasn't fully fleshed out. Like he probably was like, "Damn!" Like the demand for this, this story is really high. And then next thing you know, like, all right, I'm gonna make a whole album about this about this storytelling. And yeah, I think I don't think he wanted to end it. I'm pretty sure he wanted to make make it a a, a trilogy. Yeah, I think so. I think afterwards. But I think honestly, 
when he developed his character in this story in the first one, he was like, yeah, it's over. But then niggas on blogs was like, yo, what happened to Michael Young history? <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, I got you. And he kind of just doubled back on it. But overall, I think I think it's a really cool story. And it's a very bizarre story in the beginning from the first half, which a lot of people don't realize that uh, Kanye produced that first one. A lot of people forgot about that. But that takes us into Superstar, which is his big single from this album. Son, that song played was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get tired of it. No, neither did I. It was it was just great. The video was good. The budget was bigger. Mm-hmm. He looked great. His man's soundtrack was everywhere on this album. Yeah, bro. Everywhere. That was like his goal. That was his 40. Yeah. Um, and then it's not enough to say about that one, but two back-to-back great singles. You mm-hmm. got Paris Tokyo. Paris Tokyo, I still play to this day. Also produced by Soundtrack. What you thought of it? Um, I, I what I thought was dope is that like my um in 2006, like I, I wasn't well traveled yet, and so I like I knew like Paris and Tokyo existed, but I didn't know like you know I didn't really understand what the big deal was. So like hearing that song, right? And then, like, knowing, like, okay, like, Lupe Fiasco said, like, these places, it made me, like, research and, like, learn about, like, the culture over there. Mm. And, like, look into things that, like, he was interested in. And I was like, all right, this is smooth. Like, obviously, like, he's on, like, his smooth nigga shit on this track. So, it just, it, what, what he probably meant to do in the song did, did something completely different for me. It just made me, like, tap into other countries' culture and, like, and like why they're so popular. Like, yeah. why, like, because, like, Pharrell and Kanye also were mentioning it. You know, um, Bape was huge at the time. So, mm-hmm. like, I was trying to understand. I'm like, oh, shit. So, like, Paris is, like, the fashion capital. Like, you know, when you're, like, I'm 20. So, it's, like, I'm two years out of high school. So, pretty much all you know is America, 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 America. So, you're just thinking that. And then you realize, like, oh, there's other countries. And, like, they have probably more popping shit to offer but like, better culture. Like, yeah. Um, this record always remind me of Tribe. It it's like, a very yeah, yeah, it's a very award tour mm-hmm. kind of sound to track. Yeah, it feels like a tribe record. Um, I've always liked it, not just for that reason, but just the overall vibe for it. It's great. It's a great, great song. And it's followed up by High Def. <laughs> High Def features Snoop Dogg. How you feel about it? This was a cool flex, but mm-hmm. this song sucks. You ain't um, like this song? No, nah, I ain't like this song. And shout out to Pooh Bear. A lot of people don't know who Pooh Bear is. Pooh Bear is um, a writer and producer with Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. He's filthy rich right now. Mm-hmm. He paid his dues in the music industry. And, you know, um, I just, excuse me, I just always liked his story. Oh, and he, called, and he co-wrote Caught Up mm-hmm. for Usher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pooh Bear is that boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so High Def, I've always credited as like, one of Snoop Dogg's best feature verses at the time, even though the production on it is not that good. Um, Al Shucks. Yeah, from Al Shucks. And it kind of just, yeah, the way it comes in, it's not, I don't know if the placement helps it either. Yeah, bro. Like, I just, I didn't enjoy it. I just didn't think, I think, like, it's always cool to get Snoop Dogg verse, Mm -hmm. right? So you don't turn it down, but it's like, I think he probably should have, like, Gave Snoop, Snoop more direction on what the album was even about. Oh, yeah, Snoop don't give a fuck. Snoop was so, like, yeah, you want a Snoop Dogg's verse? I got Snoop you. probably just simply was like, yo, I got a verse. Yeah. <laughs> you want it? He probably just, yeah, just sent it to him. Like, yo, here you go. Put this somewhere. Yeah. <clears throat> and then that's followed by Go Watch, which I fucking love. The, the beat is fucking hard as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that um, this was a great pickup after that terrible song before it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Go watch is cool. Um, Lupe is so he's so anti everything. I feel like I want to say G Shocks were like the shit when this came out. Yeah, like um, it G Shock like it was like digital watches and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Like he was pretty like that's what I'm saying. Like he was so much the opposite of like what Jay Z was. And I remember like Jay Z was corporate Jay Z at this mm-hmm. time and shit like that. It was just and it was like we were going through like a. a a renaissance of like people like finding themselves like think about like the shit that we was wearing or like the other people was wearing like the clothes creative recreation mm-hmm. uh, Spurra Sky Tops yeah like you know what I'm saying like uh, you know trying to find Bape somewhere or whatever like that or trying to find like other design like designers that would want to come on so Kid Robot like they would think like we were trying to really all like figure it out so it was just like a lot of color and a lot of high tops yes yeah <laughs> a lot a lot of fucking colors. Yeah. The more colors, the better. Um, but Lupe had a way of simplifying his style. That was really cool. And kind of transcended to now. Because everyone has kind of scaled it back with like all the colors and all the flashy shit. Now it's like, yo, I got an expensive watch on, but it ain't flooded with diamonds, but it's expensive. Yeah. And if you know, you know. Yeah. Type shit. $200, $300 white shirts. Mm-hmm. You say, yeah, you said PK had on a white t-shirt that was oh. like $200. Yeah, because of the cause of the uh, the TV show, The Bear. If you guys have not watched The Bear, watch The Bear. It's a great show. It's a great, great show. The main character on the show. Um, Cammy. Yeah, he wears, he, wears, uh, he wears these t-shirts that are like $200, just, and they're just plain white t-shirts. <laughs> Must be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Go Watch is followed by Hip Hop Save My Life, which features Nikki Nikki Jean or mm-hmm. Jean. Probably Nikki Jean. Mm-hmm. Um I love hip hop metaphor songs. Mm-hmm. I love songs, you know, I think that uh Common probably might have the best one. Yes, he does. Right? So Common has the best one, but Lupe being from Chicago, I definitely feel like this was kind of like an ode to that. Um, and I just think that like what he was able what uh Lupe is able to do with with things like that, right? Are like amazing, and I just think it's a like I said, I will repeat this. I love Lupe Fiasco. I think he's immensely talented. I just think that the execution on this album was not as good as it could have been mm. because he told us it was the story of the cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you get the story of the cool on here, right? I but... did. I just wanted him to be more dedicated to that. Okay. I feel you. Um, I think Hip Hop Saved My Life takes you... It has a lot of different intricacies to it. So, like, it it does have the the hip-hop metaphor or whatever that a lot of rappers rely on sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then he also has has it from the take of it just... Li- of the literal take of hip-hop getting people out of jams and hip-hop being the savior for a lot of these artists that, um, that could have went down a dark path in the streets or whatever. Okay. Um, so I think it's in a literal sense as well, mm-hmm. which is which is cool. And then that's followed by Intruder Alert, which features Sarah Green. This song is shit. <laughs> this song is annoying, bro. Like it is it's fucking ridiculous, bro. And um, I remember I remember a long time ago in Atlanta, I went to Lupe Fiasco show and he performed this shit and I was fucking incensed at how many of his fans were singing along this dumb shit. Hate this song. <laughs> This is the first verse is on some like runaway love type shit. Um, what I hated that song, that Ludacris and Mary song. Mm-hmm. I hated that song, <laughs> but I see what it was doing. 
Grammy type shit. Um, Intruder Alert, first verse gives you this vibe of like, not even vibe, but tells the story of this young woman that went through a very, very rough time. Um, and it has since affected her trust with men in dating and everything. And then, like Lupe does, he tells a different story within every verse. This is just not a song that I would be listening to often. No, it's it's not. I appreciate the storytelling, but it's just like, nah. Nah, I bro. I can't. I we can't good. Yeah, bro. So, nah. Nah. I am good on this one, Mr. Fiasco. Um, Streets on Fire follows that up. Mm. I like this one. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew Santos is on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a dope track. I wish this one was pushed to radio as well. Yeah. Um, this out this song is like was on movie soundtracks and shit. Yeah. People, so we def- they got definitely got track they got checks for it, but mm-hmm. it should have got pushed more. People weren't doing rappers weren't doing songs like this. That was like alternative rap mm-hmm. type type shit. Yeah, yeah. Eminem bit this man style. Eminem, you say Eminem? Yeah. Why Eminem? Remember when Eminem started making those songs with like Skylar Gray? Oh yeah. And he had, um, but he had Sing for the Moment, which was before this. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, and then he's white, so it's like. Yeah, but I was saying, I'm just saying, like, then he started, like, getting paired up. Like, like yeah, it. because you you could tell, like, at a point, certain point, the label's like, hey, you two need to record together. And, like, you, you basically get paired together. So, Skylar Gray was an Interscope artist, so Jimmy mm-hmm. Iovine was like, oh, this is brilliant. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll bring your fan bases together. Like, what better way to bring yeah. Skylar Gray out here? That yeah. And then I think, like, with Matthew Santos, I'm I'm 100% sure that, like, his, you know, his, his fan base merged with Lupe's fan base. Like, it's always interesting meeting, like, um, fans that aren't fans of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And then you, you talk to them, like, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. So, um, I was on set yesterday, and... They were asking me about hip hop and like I like role models. Like, fuck. Cause they hear me talking to Ice. So um they were like Torian, like who 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 would you say are like the greatest rappers like right now? And I and like, I was just like, uh, Kendrick Lamar. And the guy was like, nah, bro, nah, it's Lupe Fiasco, and I'm gonna tell you why. And he and he just started telling me. And like he um he co- he collects vinyls and has like his own like um his own radio show. I forgot the name of what it's a new program that's on Amazon right now. Mm-hmm. Damn, what is the name of this thing? It's it's beginning huge. Joe Button is on there, like Nicki Minaj took um Queen Radio to to the network. Oh, um, Amp? Yeah, Amp. Yeah. So and he's just like Lupe Fiasco, man. Like he's like he said Lupe and then and then then I'll say uh like he just he just went down and he was like MF Doom. Like he just naming the people though. I was just like, yeah, like these guys are great and they are amazing. Like, and I love them and I think that they are two of the greatest. But like, I was like, he absolutely doesn't listen to rap like on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Like, cause he he Those listens are the to rap. That, yeah, that that crossed over. Right, and, and, he, and was introduced. And then once he got to Immortal Technique, the conversation was I was done with. Immortal Technique. <laughs> and then when people, I like talking to people like that because because these people crossed over into their everyday lives, they feel like they're the greatest, mm-hmm. and they just don't fucking weed from that and it's like yeah bro that's just the surface yeah man like, Good. you don't really know shit yeah i'm gucci um little weapon follows it up now this song mm-hmm. fucked my head up because like basically like when i when i was able to like go back and re-listen and understand like the story that he's telling like of, of, a, of a refugee a child refugee pretty much like killing people and comparing it to like uh, uh, it's a parallel of a child refugee and I think um, 
a kid going to the army for the first time. So it's like they're both in Afghanistan, but they both have like it's like parallel lives. Mm. And I just thought like, yo, like that's a really dope concept. And some some using a, a different part of your brain to like be able to conceptualize. And I think that I could definitely tell that Joyner Lucas was absolutely a Lupe fan. Bro, what? <laughs> um, and then again, like even how he starts the song off, the the um, killed another man the day, like the the whole the beat too. Yeah, so fucking like, bro, my man Patrick Stump. Yeah, that shit wakes you up, man. Um, even this like lead into the album to like have a heater like this. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever hear the story of? Uh... So Jay-Z was, like, really fucking with Patrick Stump at this time. Mm. And, like, he was telling everybody, like, yo, this dude is a genius. Like, see what he did on Lupe's album, the Fall Out Boy album was great. So, like, Jay-Z, like, puts him on a spot in front of, like, Kanye, Swiss Beats, L.A. Reid, like, all of these great people. And Jay-Z's like, yo, give us, like, yo, just make a song on the spot. Because, like, he's done it in front of Jay-Z before. So Jay's like, do it. So, like... Patrick Stump is, like, nervous because, like, there's all these great people and, like, he just bombed. And then Jay, like, put him aside was like, don't worry, like, I've been there before, too. Like, not, like, in the past 10 years, but, like, <laughs> early on in my career, like, in the 80s He's with Big Daddy. Like, he told the story, like, with Big Daddy Kane. Like, Big Daddy Kane told him to freestyle. And, like, he just, he just repeated a freestyle that they've heard already. But I just think that that's funny. Like, basically, like, they did some reverse Bobby Smurder shit to this white man. Oof. Like they was oh, like, epic yo, yeah, they was like, yo, perform for us right now. <laughs> Do it. You got it. Nigga Hope said, yeah, I'm on fire right now. So <laughs> not, not right now in the past 20 years. <laughs> but I've been there back in the 80s. Yeah, man, that was funny. That's crazy. I always hear stories about Jay like that. <laughs> um, What about Gotta Eat? Nah, I hate this song. Gotta Eat reminds me of, I know you like my style. From Fifty, mm. it has it has this feel to it that that Fifty has on the song, um, that I really that I kind of enjoy. It always reminded me of that the beat and the chorus is kind of in the vein of Fifty. Yeah, I get it. I just wasn't like I skip. Got nothing for it. And then of course we got dumb it down, <sighs> dumb it down. Basically. All the critiques that that Lupe could have got at the time from you name it, Pitchfork, whoever, was like, yo, he got to, yo, this nigga too smart. He got to, like, change these lyrics up. What's he trying to do with this? Yo. He, think he think this is going to be on radio? Like, what he trying to do? And he was like, all right, I got you. I'm going to call this Dumb It Down, and I'm going to make it a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. Yo, this song, I listen to this song a lot, a lot, because... It was one of those times where, like, I was just like, "This is what Jay Z was talking about when he says he wants to rap like Talib Kweli, mm-hmm. you know, or like, like Common Sense. Like, yeah. this is like why he can't because it's gonna go over too many people's heads." And I also think like this is why, um, well, besides like Rakim not being able to work with Dr. Dre, um, <laughs> I think this is like why Rakim had like a, a hard time with his second act in hip hop when he when when he left um, Eric B and went solo. It's just one of those things where it's like he's rapping about things and like, you know, what he's seeing. And sometimes like the way you got to like spoon feed the masses is like you got to like kind of like cut it in half. And like 
Lupe Fiasco is a very intellectual person. Mm-hmm. This is why like it's it's is really funny to me. Like people make fun of Nas, but Nas really figured out how to spoon feed people. Like music where like he's giving you information or he might be like uh using like his wordplay to like mask what he's talking about, but like his fans appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I think Matt like Nas of all the rappers was able to get to like the highest of it and like not not like get like criticized for it as much. Mm. Like Nas, um, Nas definitely puts a message in his music like really often, and still like is able to like keep like uh, whatever. Simplicity. Yeah, still. He, yeah, like yeah. I guess I've always thought that about Nas. I've never been able to put it put it into words like that, but that's true. Because like I think with Nas, he has Nas has always been looked at as the complex guy, but yeah. like if you listen to him, it's super. Dumbed down, like, but he's just so good at laying it out that you could follow every step of the way, and it's super detailed. Yeah, man, like, that's like he, one of his biggest strengths for me. Yo, like that's I agree, and I think that's like a strength that like he can like, like I feel like he can like tease lessons on it. Um, I would say that like Kendrick Lamar right now, like he just doesn't care, but he's like so like big and so over, like it doesn't it doesn't matter, like. Mm-hmm. He made he made damn and I think that like damn was like the closest that we'll get to like dumb down music from Kendrick Lamar yeah. and like that's not like I don't even think that's a dumb down project because you play that back that that project frontwards and backwards mm-hmm. and it, yeah like I just think that like Nas figured out that perfect medium though yeah I agree um, this one is fi- gotta eat it well no sorry dumb it down is followed by hello goodbye. Which is another alternative rap type style on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, it's authentic. Nobody was doing shit like this at the time. Like I said, um, how, how about you? How do you feel? The production was really menacing on this shit, mm-hmm. which I really liked, and I also think that this is one of the, his best songs he ever yeah. made. I think it's I think it's cool, and it's like, and it's telling of now too what he was rapping about on this on this track. Of like just being in terror of literally everything, even down to the air that we breathe, and coming out coming out of the pandemic, that rings true as hell. Yeah. So I think I think this is definitely one of those cornerstones in his in his um in his uh catalog, and then leads us to the die, the end of the road from Michael Young history. Yeah, man, what a terrible. Ending, mm-hmm. like I just the nigga went through all of the all that he went through from the last album to this album to just get shot and killed waiting in the car while his homie took a piss. Yeah, and the gemstone guy, like, mm-hmm. why didn't he just get Twister? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Twister should have been on this album in some way. <laughs> Comes back to it. I just think that's funny. That that tells you a lot. He should have been on here. That tells you a lot about what he thinks about Twister. <laughs> I think they worked together, though. So they've worked together before. I think. I'm just saying, Reg. Um, and then The Die is followed by Put You On Game. Menacing production. This The production actually sounds like something Eminem would have did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I literally wrote, Lost Me Now. Too many tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Too many tracks. Yo, Put You On Game is a dope song. Because I think it puts... And it's an, it's an important song for this album. It puts this album in perspective of like everything that he's talking about. The game versus the streets. Um, put You On Game. The game being like... 
Satan in a way. It sounds like he's describing Satan. Oh, he's yeah, rapping from the, the game, perspective. The of game Satan. is ab- the game is absolutely Satan. Yeah. And, and like I get it. He was trying to do the the, the DMX versus Damien thing. Mm-hmm. Get no, it? Like even in the way that he's rapping too is so potent. Like, don't you know that I run this place and I become this face? Like he's just the he's like rapping like yo the the audacity that y'all think y'all can fuck with what I built over. <laughs> The past how many fucking years? Yo, He's rapping from a really dark place. Yo, bro, God better not ever give me one. I don't know how like millionaires don't do this. Go like to their favorite artist and be like, hey, I would like for you to make an album executive produced by me for me. Mm-hmm. And just tell them like, listen, like, you know, just just like you can rap about what you want to rap about, but I'm just telling you, you gotta stay within these lines. Yeah. Cause yeah, I would yeah. do it. I would like the things I would spend my money on. People would think I'm fucking nuts. Like people would think like somebody like Shaq is nuts putting Superman sign on everything. No, I'm get, making. I'm. I'm. Some of my favorite musicians are making albums for me. Oh, like for you? Yeah. Damn, what do you think that bag would be crazy? Yo, bro, like think about it. Like if a label is giving an artist, like you know, think about how most artists are getting jerked. Like if I got yeah. like three million to give somebody, I have three million dollars for you. To record this album, I will have the studio. You don't have to pay for any studio. The three million dollars is yours. Would you have any say so in how they do the album, or you just want them to run wild? I don't want them. Well, I would just tell them, like, listen, like, I would tell Jay Z, like, yo, I want you to make Reasonable Doubt Part Two. <laughs> and probably, I, his crazy ass are probably already got that somewhere. Yeah, probably right. I would yeah. just be like, well, I would just be like, yo, Jay, I want to pay for Reasonable Doubt Part Two, and I'll have a sign a contract and be like, listen, no one will hear this, like. Well, no one will own this project outside of me. If it does, I breach contract. You can sue me, blah blah blah. But like, I just want that project. That nigga would definitely charge you more than three million dollars. We'll see. Three million dollars <laughs> is a lot of money, cash untaxed. Yeah, that's true. So but, I get what you're saying. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, like, and you know, obviously, like Jay is like at like the like the the top top. But like, you know, what I'm saying, I definitely, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to Freddie Gibbs and Pusha T. Yeah. With two million dollars and just saying like, yo, I want a coke rap coke rap album and I want you to rap over like the soundtrack of the fucking Sopranos. Like, I'll give an alchemist. I'll give Freddie Gibbs money to delete his Instagram account. <laughs> Don't make Instagram no more because then he had no choice but to be in the studio. Yo, Nigga him and yeah, else. him and him and Benny the Butcher right now they going outside. Is, man, it's crazy because I was I saw and I know this gets us off subject, but I saw them going back and forth on Instagram and all of that shit. And in my mind, I'm just like, yo, how old are these niggas? But then at the same time, you think about how rap beefs and shit like that used to like be really exciting for us, especially yeah, in the 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. But it's like, yo, y'all niggas is really going on Instagram and all of this shit, just uploading shit, arguing with each other. Like, it's so corny. You know what it is? Because like now we're at the point where like we really understand like what comes from it. And like we've seen so many rappers like squash beefs as well. And it's like, it's not even like on wax. Like, I, I would be more understanding if it was on wax. Like, basically, they doing what Cameron and 50 Cent did. And I think that's when we started realizing it was corny. Because mm-hmm. then remember, like, Rick Ross was coming out and, like, they weren't making music. Yeah. Like, it, it was just like grandstanding. It kind of felt like wrestling. Yeah, yeah. It does feel like wrestling. And I think Benny has some shit coming out. Freddie has been having an album come out for the past two years. So who knows? Like, yeah. these niggas is just, they just pulling strings right now. Um, but anyway, so the album Put You On Game is followed by Fighters, mm-hmm. which features Matthew Santos. 
Um, yeah, I I don't understand how like him and Matthew Santos didn't just put out a complete album together. Mm-hmm. I would I would I would think it would be dope if he just said like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna show Flo Rida and these niggas how to actually make a crossover rap album. Yeah, and just do it because he's good at it. Like that's the funny thing. Like he's actually like really good at it. And you know I'm pretty sure like you know he wants to be challenged and shit like that. Probably gets tired of he. I, I I would also like to know like does he help other artists right? I don't know Lupe, yeah. Like, I know he's he ghost wrote for Kanye for a minute. Yeah. But I, I I would like to see like does he like write for like other rappers? I mean yeah, other I other not even rappers, like singers and shit like that. Because he's really good. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um but yeah, this one this one is good. I wouldn't have mind, especially around this time, like an EP with Matthew Santos and Lupe. That would have been dope. Mm-hmm. Um but Fighters is followed by Go Baby. It actually closes with Go Baby. <laughs> Shit. I fuck with this song. Son. The jazzy feel to it. Um, it's such a like jazz club type vibe to this song and go-go type, yeah. type vibe to this song, which which I really, really love. Go, baby. Who, who, go, baby. That, that shit was great, man. Yeah. I thought when Lupe did that shit, I was like, oh, yeah. shit, my yeah. nigga is groovy. Like, that was, it was very chess records, mm-hmm. um, Chicago based. And I like, you, that's how, that's how you also know. Like he's musically inclined. Like there's a lot of dudes that can rap and like they can just rap, but like mm-hmm. they don't have music. Yeah, and the and way the, that even the way that he closes fighters, I think at the end of it he says something like, "Oh, uh, thank you for sticking with me. Uh, this last one's for you." Talking to women, mm-hmm. and he's like, "The last one's for the ladies," and then it goes right into this, and it's like, <sighs> "Yeah, man." And like I want to know like why "Go Baby" is the last song. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that it is. Um, I think Fighters is the end of the concept that he was building building on. That's why he left that message at the end. Yeah, yeah. cool. So it's so kind of like a parting message. Like, oh yeah, y'all gonna have this too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, um, kind of like, like Drake putting um, putting Jimmy whatever. What what's the name of that shit? Are you talking about the Twenty One Savage song? Yeah, Jimmy Cooks. Yeah, putting that at the end of this dance album. That that just like had all these tracks that kind of just flowed together, and then at the end you had this song with you rapping, rapping. It's the opposite of this, but mm-hmm. because it's more of a fun song, but it's kind of the same thing. Um, so that brings us to the end of the album. What's your thoughts? What's your updated thoughts on the cool in twenty twenty two? Um. Well, out of five waffles, I have to give the cool three and a half waffles out of five. Mm. Because, like, the highs are really high. And, correction, it's not six songs that I absolutely hate. It's five songs that I absolutely hate. Mm-hmm. Of the project, um, I just, I'm just mad that, I'm not, I'm not pleased that the album wasn't conceptual, like, it wasn't cohesive mm-hmm. as, it, as, I, as I envisioned it. So, yeah, like, you know, there are great songs on the project. Obviously, the rapping, the rapping was not a problem. Mm-hmm. But those five songs really left a bad taste in my mouth. Conceptually, it wasn't um, as appealing as I as it was hyped up to be. So to me, it didn't live up to the hype. Um, and then also, uh, I wish that like so. All right, those two songs that didn't have twist on it that should have. Mm-hmm. And then also like I sometimes like I, I wish that he did use production from like not big name producers, but like other like out of his circle. But I, I because I know when I researched the album. He kind of tried to record the album like in a week, so he was just locked in with the like he had he had the beats that he had, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't sharing that money with no big name producers. Yeah, 
Like I get why what's going on, and, and I mean it still works. Like the album sounds great, but three and a half out of five for me. This album, this album meant a lot to me in two thousand seven. Like I said, I um, I was exploring a lot of different sounds, especially when it came to rap. A lot of, and I was heavy in the blog music and everything that came across that I came across. I was like a fucking sponge. And Lupe came at a very important time. And this album, I felt, had <clears throat> it had a balance that Food and Liquor didn't have for me um, because he tried different shit and he built on concepts really, really well on this album. Um, I give it a four and a half. Really? I thought said, it's not a classic? So, so that's the thing. So a four and a half, only because there are certain songs on here that I don't care for. But I think if I'm not just rating the music and I'm rating, build it, talking about the experience of it, the ideas and the thoughts that I have attached to this album, it's a classic in that frame. But if I'm just rating the music, I'll give it a four and a half. All right, and I'm cool. taking my personal experience out of it. I'll give it a four and a half. I don't know why you're doing that. I will keep it in there. LaShawn's LeSean, going to watch this episode. He's very upset that I won't rank this album five out of five. Oh, yeah? LaShawn, LaShawn feels that this album is a five I could, out of five. Yeah, I mean, I could just say, I could be selfish and say, yes, it is a five. But if I want to take my personal experience out of it and the nostalgia value of it, the nostalgia pack, you know, which is what we do here, we kind of we kind of um, separate these albums from the nostalgia and just listen to it now, see the frame of mind that it holds up. And... Four and a half is still a solid ass rating for over yeah, I 10, think, 15 years. Yeah, I think it's a solid rating. Um, yeah, me and Reg um have like a different like I I I don't have a problem comparing their projects to their other projects or that stuff. Reg doesn't do that. He does singular, mm-hmm. so it's okay. So just understand that you know our ratings aren't streamlined. But yeah, three and a half out of five ain't bad either. Yeah, yeah I mean you know it's, it's middle of the pack. He has he has other projects way better. I can recommend to you guys. Um, and I think I think it's definitely worth a revisit for all the listeners out there. I believe, you know, this album just celebrated a milestone. I want to say fifteen years, right? Yep, fifteen year anniversary. You and Rob are going. Yeah, fifteen year anniversary, <laughs> fifteen year anniversary, and um, it's a big deal. I think Lupe is a very important artist, and a lot of people forget that sometimes. But um, this album can be a reminder for you. I'm First Class Reg. I'm Torian B. We out of here, y'all. Catch you next time. These are their stories. Dun dun.